Take your Bibles, if you would, turn to Joshua chapter number 24, and I appreciate that song this morning. Joshua 24, as you come to Joshua 24, I want to draw your attention to one verse that I just want you to look at for just a moment, and then we'll travel on back through the entire uh, chapter for just a little while. But notice what the Bible says in verse number 29. Now, if you're familiar with the book of Joshua, you're familiar with the fact that it starts off in a little bit of a way in which the Lord is having to remind Joshua that as he was with Moses, so he will be with Joshua. And in Joshua 24, you come to verse number 29, the Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. Now, the book of Joshua is a very fast-paced book. There's a lot going on. you got walls falling down. Uh, you're, you're, you've got a command that's being uh, given and action that's being followed out. You've got uh, some matters being addressed. And as you come to the very last chapter... You have Joshua who has lived this life, he's walked the walk, is now going to talk the talk, and he's going to relay some information to them. You know, it's been said that as a person is is on its, their deathbed, or maybe they're uh, about to, to exit the scene, maybe they're about to step aside, that some of the very last words are words that can be very challenging, they can be very convicting, uh, they can be very powerful or memorable, they can be life-changing. Uh, And some of the most famous people in history had certain things to say as you go and think about their last words. It was Leonardo da Vinci who said, I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Ben Franklin, uh, as Ben Franklin was laying down at the age of 84, his daughter told him to change position in bed so that he could breathe a little bit easier. And his last words were, a dying man can do nothing easy. It was Voltaire, the famous infidel who spent most of his life fighting Christianity, who cried out, and his last dying breath was, I am abandoned by God and man, I shall go to hell. These are some very famous people in their very last words, and maybe you can think of some people that you know of, their very last words. A couple of years ago, I remember my grandfather passing away, and his last words, as he looked up, he just kind of looked up, and he said, this is a good day, and he passed away. You think about people in your own life that maybe you know their last words and you think about their last words. You walk through scripture and you think about some of the most famous last words in people's lives and you study history and you walk through the life of Christ and you think about his last words. As a matter of fact, in the life of Christ, Jesus, his final words on the cross, notice these as they were very powerful words. Notice in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, he said, then said Jesus, father, forgive them. For they know not what they do, and they parted his raiment and cast lots. Those are words of pardon. As he says, Father, forgive them. He had some words of pardon, but he had words of promise in Luke 23, 43. The Bible says, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Words of pain in Matthew 27, 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathani, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Words of peace, Luke 23, 46. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. And John 19, 30 reminds us of these words of power. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. 
You see, very powerful words. You walk through the life of Christ and his last words, he's on that cross. As he's about to die on that cross for you and for me, these are some of the words that he uttered. You think about the last words of some people and certain things that they're relaying. Maybe it's a conversation. Maybe they're stepping down from something. You go to the book of Philippians and and the chapter 3 and chapter number 4. There's a word that is used in chapter 3. The word is used and the word is finally. And in the context of what he is saying in chapter number 3, he is saying, in conclusion, as I wrap things up, if you would. Chapter number 4, as he starts and he begins to use that word finally once again, he is saying, finally, the last things, if you would. This is all that I'm going to say. And so throughout Scripture, you see that the last words of individuals are very, very powerful. You come to Joshua chapter number 24, and you begin to realize that Joshua is going to utter some of his last words. And then you come to verse number 29, and the Bible tells us that Joshua, the son of Nun, the sermon of the Lord, died being 110 years old. So what are his last words? What are the last words that Joshua is going to utter to the people before he is no longer on the scene? Now, mind you, as we open the Word of God and you begin to study Scripture, in Joshua chapter number 1, we start where the Bible says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Twenty-four chapters later, now we're hearing that Joshua is dead. What a powerful reminder as you begin to think about your life, that the, the days are being written and the chapters are being penned right this very moment, that you don't have that much longer. You see, what are you doing with your life right this very moment? Some of us are in chapter number 23 right this very moment, and chapter number 24 is right around the corner. Some of us are in chapter number 7. Some of us might be in chapter 15. But the reminder is that you aren't promised tomorrow, so live today for God. As you think about the life that you're living right this very moment, you think about the last words that one day you're going to utter. What are those words going to be? Are those words going to be of peace? Are they going to be powerful words on the reflection of Jesus in your life and what He has done? Are you going to say something that might cause pain? Are you going to say something that that might be a little hateful? Are you going to say something with bitterness in your heart? Or is it just going to be plain joy? Is it going to be happiness? Is it going to be reflection? The last words that you will ever say. See, as you start in chapter number 24, verse number 1, you see that the Bible says, And Joshua gathered all the tribes. I love the the small words that we kind of sometimes will neglect. You see, the the word all here is a very important word. It's not just some of the people. It's not just some of the tribes. It's not just some of the elders. It's not just some of the heads. It's not just some of the judges. Not just some of the officers. But it's all. Bible goes on in verse number 2, And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. As you walk through this chapter, the final chapter, and the very last words that Joshua is going to say, as he is saying these things in conclusion to his life, the life that he has lived, in chapter 1, there's some questions. There's some uncertainty. The Lord is going to go on in chapter 1 and reaffirm some confidence in Joshua as he is reminding Joshua, as I was with Moses, my servant, who is no longer here, my servant is now dead, now the next servant in line is you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So Joshua goes on, chapter 2, all the way to chapter number 23. And he's going to live out the life the Lord would have for them to live out. You're going to see some great things. You're going to see some exciting events take place. In chapter 24 now, Joshua, who has lived his life, is going to say some final words in conclusion. 
And while they are encouraging, they're words of conviction. You see, one of the dangers in our society today is that there are a lot of Christians who say a lot, but they say it a lot with fluff. We don't have a lot of conviction backed in our words anymore. We don't really believe sometimes what the Word of God has to say. And as you look at verse number 14, we will see that Joshua meant what he was saying. As he says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. This is the very first time in the Word of God where the word sincerity is going to show up. Now we know what the word sincerity means. It's of an honest thing. It's a a real thing. It's authentic. And he says, serve Him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served. So in verse number 14, he's going all the way back to verse number 2, where he has said, and they served other gods, but now he is calling on those who he is addressing because they too have been serving other gods. They have been living a life that has not been profitable, if you would, because of some of the serving of other gods that they have been giving themselves to. And he says, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Chapter number 24, all the way backing up, you begin to see in verses 1 through 13 as we lay some groundwork of where Joshua is heading. He's giving his last words. He's Calling all of the tribes, he's calling all of the elders, he's calling all the heads, the judges, the officers, all of the people together, and he's addressing a matter, if you would. This matter that he is addressing is he is beginning to relay some information to them on the faithfulness of God and how God has been so good to them. God has been proving himself faithful time and time again, and there's a small word reaching out to a place, if you would, that he begins to deal with. And as he begins to lay some groundwork here, he is laying some groundwork in such a way where he is calling them to action in this chapter. As a matter of fact, as you study this passage of Scripture, you're going to see the word serve or served multiple times. It's the most you will see the word serve or served in the entire book of Joshua, and it's all in one chapter right here, multiple times. You're going to see that word serve and serve. And so you come to realize that Joshua's final words, if you would, as he's about to exit the scene, he's about to pass on, is listen, there's a work to be done you need to serve. And not only do you need to serve, you need to put away the other gods, the strange gods. You need to stop serving them. You need to serve the one true living God. Can I share with you this morning, our world is getting worse and worse. We are aware of that. And we're going to address some things that we see in this passage of Scripture that we also see within our society, and it's not because of our society. You see, many of the results of the way and the direction that much of our world and society, and specifically America, is going is not because of just the world in general. It's not just because there are people that hate God. No, much of what is taking place in America is because Christians aren't being Christians. It's because Christians have slacked off. It's because Christians are no longer taking the boldness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and knowing that it changes lives, taking it and allowing it to change lives. We've kind of taken a step back and said, well, the world's just getting worse. It's not like it was in the 80s when you could just knock on a door and present the gospel. No, but the resources are still there. 
Times might be changing, but we serve a God that doesn't. And the gospel doesn't pause just because times change. No, the gospel is to continue moving on forward. And so as you come to Joshua 24, he begins to address the matter of service, if you would. In chapter number 24, verses 1 through 13, he highlights many things concerning service, if you would. The first thing that he begins to highlight is the obligation to serve. He goes on and begins to deal with all of what God has done. And he begins to highlight each of those things. And he says right here in verses 1 through 13 concerning the obligation to serve. He's saying, do it. He's saying, you've got to do this. It's not just something that we need to talk about. You need to do it. There's a specification for service. This is how you do this thing called serving. You see, training is vital in the Christian life. Discipleship is big in the Christian life. Many of us can go back and we can look back on when we got saved and there is someone or a group of people or multiple people that the Lord used in our lives to bring us along to understand what it meant to live the Christian life. Can I ask you this question? If that was you, someone did that in your life, are you doing it in someone else's life? Are you investing? Sometimes we, we look at the investment and look, I'm all for this investment. You know, we, we have a, a burden for the next generation. I'm all for investing in this generation, investing in the children generation in the next uh, the building over there. I'm all for that. But sometimes investment isn't only to the next generation. It's in even your generation. And sometimes it's in your family. Sometimes it's in your friends. Sometimes it's in a neighbor. Sometimes it's in a coworker. Sometimes it's a, a random person that you're just talking to. Just yesterday, as I was going in and I stopped in at the gas station, I'm standing there and, and never know sometimes what conversations will be had. A gentleman who works in the gas station, he's walking outside with a little buggy and he's changing out all of the trash cans. And uh, a conversation strikes up. I'm p- filling up the, the vehicle with gas and he looks at me and he, he's just standing there. He says, hey, did you put those tires on your Jeep? I said, no, I bought it like that. <laughs> he said, uh, my, 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 my son and... My daughter-in-law, they have two or three Jeeps, and man, they, they've got them things on 40s, and they've got them jacked up, and they've got them lifted, and all this stuff. He said, they put a lot of money into these things. Oh, I said, yeah, yeah, you can, you can really, you can put a lot of money into these things if you, if you, uh, own one, and there's just, you know, so much that you can do to them. And he just was talking to me. I said, hey, I said, I, I don't live on this side of town anymore. I, I live uh, down a little bit, but I said, do you go to church anywhere? He said, no, he said, I, I work uh, here at the gas station. I'm, I'm pretty tied up usually on, 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 you know, Sundays. And I'm not able to make it. I said, listen, if you ever are available, come. Just, just visit with us. I said, ring old road. You can't miss us. Big old white building on the right. If you're coming down and you pass and you drive down, I said, if you're on the other side, it's on the left. I said, you'll, you won't miss us. Come and be with us sometime. I was reminded that in that one moment right there, that service isn't always just in the local church. It's even outside the doors of the church. You see, some of these things we know, but it's good to be reminded of these things. And there are times whenever I go back in my life and I remember just sitting back and watching another Christian who was discipling me that a conversation like that was being started up and they didn't shush it away. They had that conversation. You know, that's called discipling. Showing someone else, hey, when that conversation starts up, don't don't silence them. Invite them. Talk to them. Tell them about Jesus. Joshua here is talking about the specifications of service, if you would. The invitation, if you would. The invitation for service. He says, I want you to do it. The declaration for service. I will do it. The examination for service. Will I do it right? That is the question we ask ourselves oftentimes. Will I serve the Lord right? Will I do this right? Well, you keep pressing on. The preparation for service. Train me to do it right. 
The confirmation of service. Time is now in the duration of service. Don't stop. All of these things right here that we're mentioning are all found in chapter number 24. You see, as you walk down this chapter, service is the theme. And you think about the very last words that Joshua utters to the people before he is no longer on the scene. As I was reading this chapter and I come to verse number 29, I began to ask myself that question. What are going to be the last words that I have to say? What are going to be the last words that I utter to family members or to friends? Or what are going to be the last words in general that I have to say? You see, the words that Joshua that we find, the very last words that Joshua is uttering are words that meant something. They had value to them. You even go and you think about some of the words that were mentioned by those of those famous people. Voltaire, who who was always fighting Christianity, says, I am abandoned by God and man. I shall go to hell. Those are words of value. They mean something. We understand what he is saying. We understand what he is recognizing right here. You go and you study history and you come to realize some of the things that people had to say. They were things of value. Think about uh, Joshua in Scripture right here as he is uttering these words. And he goes on in verse number 14 is where it really gets to a point. And he says these words. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Notice with me three things this morning as we consider the cause of his service this morning and, and what he was doing. Three things concerning that thought. That thought. Number one, we see this, Joshua's plea for separation. What was causing him to address this subject matter of serving? As he begins to plea to the people, he's laid some groundwork and some foundation was being laid in chapter number 24, verses 1 through 13. In chapter number 24, verse number 29, we're going to be told that he is no longer on the scene. So the very last words that he is going to deal with are found right in the midst of this chapter. And he says, now therefore, fear the Lord. And serve him in sincerity and in truth. Notice with me the plea for separation. You see that word right there, sincerity. That word sincerity speaks of authenticity. It speaks of real. It speaks of raw. It speaks of something that you know you can trust and you can count on because it's it's authentic, if you would. He goes on then to highlight it in a specific way as well as he says in sincerity and in truth. You see, the Word of God has much to say concerning fear. And as he starts out, verse number 14, he says, Now therefore, fear the Lord. And now in Scripture, many times, I remember as a kid, I would think about that word fear. And whenever I was, as a kid, and thinking about that word fear, I always thought that whenever it was preached on, it was like this right here, as you were afraid of God. That's not what he's talking about. It's a godly fear. It's a recognition of God's holiness, and, and the Bible tells us that He is holy, and that He is righteous, and that He is good. And so it's a fear and understanding what the Word of God claims about our God, and the simple fact that it is true, that it is trusted, that it will not return void. And so that is exactly what it is dealing with. It is dealing with those simple truths right there concerning our God. And so He is pleading for separation, and He is dealing with that word sincerity, and He is talking about the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 1-7, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In Proverbs 10-21, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days. In Proverbs 14-26, the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. So let's back up for just a moment. Joshua here, in Joshua 24, is going on in verse number 14 and saying, Now therefore, fear the Lord. But don't just fear Him. He says, and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. So that word fear. As we break these verses that we just read, Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
Well, when you begin to be presented with the truth of God's word and you come to realize that our God is a holy God, that he is a righteous God, you begin to fear the way in which you're living because you're confronted with truth. I fear, Lord, not because I'm afraid of you, but be, is my life honoring you? Lord, you're all of a sudden shedding some knowledge and some, some insight into my life. Lord, I want to understand. And so it begins to provide the knowledge because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Well, in Proverbs 10, 21, notice what it says. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days. Why? Because as you fear God in a righteous way, a holy way, the way the Lord would have for us to fear him. And we understand when we're confronted with truth that all of a sudden we have to make a decision. Am I going to continue in my ways or am I going to get on? God's ways. Well, so why does it prolong the days? Because obedience and how the Lord delights in us walking in his path and all the many things that sometimes if we're not careful, we will get ourselves into Proverbs 14, 26. The fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Why? Because you have confidence that this again is truth. You see, I was, well, while we were in the Sunday school hour just a little bit ago, There were many statements in the Christian life that many of us make, and we make them because we know what to say in a specific time. But the knowing what to say and knowing why to say it are two totally different things. For instance, before the service, Brother John and I were talking for just a few moments about a prayer request that he has. And one of the statements that I made was, the Lord will take care of it. I'm confident of that. You see, used to, that sounded good. Someone's asking you a question. Someone's talking about something. And so it sounds real spiritual just to say, well, the Lord will take care of it. It sounds good. And so the Lord began to convict me to stop saying it just to say it and actually get a conviction about it. Do I really believe the Lord's going to take care of it? You know, we, we, we say the statement and someone is asking for prayer about something. We say, I'll pray for you. Three, four weeks down the road, a month down the road, two months down the road, a year down the road. All of a sudden you remember you didn't pray for that person. You see, you said it because it sounded good. Until God gets a hold of you and reminds you that it's not about just saying something that sounds good. Do you believe it? Have you bought into it? Do you understand what it means to say something like this? And so Joshua in chapter number one is being reminded that as the Lord was with Moses, so I will be with you. In chapter two, all the way to chapter number 23, he's reminded time and time again that what God said in chapter number one was true. And so now we come to chapter number 24. And Joshua is reminding the people of all that God has done. And he's reminding the people of some of the things that they ought to do. And it's all surrounded by this one thing of serving the Lord. Why? He goes on and his plea is for separation. Number two, we see his plea is for surrender. He goes on and says this, and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. His plea was for surrender. You see, Joshua is telling them to make up their minds. And that is why in verse number 15, right in the middle of it, he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. It's a call to action. You go and you fast forward a little bit, you'll find in 1 Kings 18, 21, that the Bible says, and Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Elijah was saying, hey, stop playing games with God. It's time to choose. It's not enough just to say something that sounds good. It's not enough just to participate in something. It's time to get involved. It's time to do something. It's time to serve the Lord. You know, James on choosing and serving the Lord in the Christian life deals with this. 
He says in one eight of James, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You see, we like to gripe about our society and the problems within our society. And we look at the waywardness and we look at the wickedness surrounding. We look at all the, the wandering and the worldliness going on. And the result of all of that is because there are Christians who are just going about their days and not making a conscious decision to be dedicated and serve the Lord and do something that is very courageous and serving God Almighty. And so we look at the worldliness and we say, man, look at all of that. Well, what are you doing about it, Christian? We look at all the waywardness. We say, oh, they're just, man, they're just embedded in sin. They're just living in sin. Well, have you told them that Jesus loves them? You see, Jesus changed your life, right? He changed my life, right? So have we gone to people and told them, hey, all that worldliness and all that living that you're invested in, all that that lifestyle and all that is not going to provide what you're looking for. As I stood face to face with a young man just the other day, Brother Sean and I, looking in his eyes and reminding him three times in a row, Jesus is the answer. You see, the life that you're living right this very moment, Joshua's figured it out. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about those people. It's about God. And so as he is reminding himself of this, in conclusion to his life, he is saying, you need to surrender. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I think about my own life, and there have been many times where I've had to surrender my life time and time again as I've gotten off track sometimes. When I've been selfish, maybe prideful, thinking of what I wanted to do. And I've had to come back to the reality that it's not about Josh Farmer. It's not about me. Lord, it's all about you. And Lord, whatever your will is for my life, Lord, that is what I want to do. Lord, whatever your way is, Lord, that means you're going to take me this way. And it might have some some trials. It might have some difficulties. But man, the joy in just walking daily with Jesus. You can't beat it. You think about all the memories of life. You think about all the events that took place in Joshua's life. You think about everything that went on. And the very last words that Joshua has to say is, Choose you this day, and we will serve. You see, Joshua understood the what. In the book of Joshua, we see him living out the why. And in chapter number 24, we see him relaying the why. You see, his dedication, if you would, or his declaration. Notice what he goes on to say in this. Because he's addressing the surrender. He's playing with them as he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What a declaration right there. <laughs> and notice this now. This is a personal thing for him. He's not an echo. He's not another voice waiting for others. This is a personal decision that he is making right here. It's not as though Joshua is standing here and he's saying, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Do we have any takers this morning? Oh, you'll, you'll do it, you'll do it, you'll do it, you'll do it. Okay, then as for me and my family, we will too. No, 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 it's not how it goes. Joshua is addressing the crowd right here. He says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, hey, oh, I'm not finished yet. I'm not done yet. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is exactly what's taking place here. Joshua's voice is a personal declaration. He's not just saying it because someone else had to say it. I can't remember who it is, but I have it in my Bible on the very back side, a quote that says it is weak to refuse to choose 
till we see how the world would choose. And the reality is that's many of us as Christians. We base our life as a Christian and what we're going to do for God and how we're going to live our lives. Let's see what everyone else is going to do first. Can I remind you that you're not going to have to give an answer to Josh Farmer one day. You're not going to have to give an answer to your parents one day concerning this. You're not going to have to give an answer to your best friend. There's going to come a day when you're going to see your Savior face to face. We're going to have to look at Him and be reminded of all the many times in which we were doing other things, no doubt, and all the many times in which we didn't do anything. It is weak to refuse to choose till we see how the world will choose. It was a personal declaration, but I love this statement. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It was a family declaration. And notice who's the one saying it. Dad. Dad, it's time to step up. It's time to take action. It's time to lead. He says right here, Joshua is speaking. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. One of the saddest realities in America and all across this world is that there are too many mothers leading the home and not enough daddies leading the home. And we're seeing our world and we're looking at everything and saying, why are there so many young men and so many young ladies that are growing up and doing all these many things? It's because we don't have parents being parents. You see, there, there's going to come a time for you when you can go back in your life and you'll fast forward, your children are out of the home, and now you're their parents, but you're also their friends, and you can rejoice in all of that. But now is not the time to be the cool parent, to be the best friend for your children. They need you to be mom, they need you to be dad. As he says right here in the book of Joshua, chapter number 24, he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Jackson, hush, you're not, you don't have an answer. Hush. Charlie, zip it. You don't get to decide. You're living in my house. Holly, hush. No, no, no. Daddy's leading the home. We're going to church. But I don't want to. It doesn't matter. We're going to church. Why? Because God is worthy. Because the Word of God, you need it. You want to live for the Lord? You need to get in God's Word. Why are we going to church every Sunday and every Wednesday? Why do we go to all these youth activities? Why do we go to all these things when the doors of the church are open? You're going to be doing something. You might as well be found and doing things that are righteous and doing things that are holy, doing things that are going to help you in your life to live for the Lord. I'm not going and playing games of the world. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It was a pointed declaration. I love this because notice what the people say. Verse number 16, and the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. I believe they caught it. Now, in verse number 19, Joshua's going to make a statement that might confuse you a little bit. As he says, Joshua said unto the people, ye cannot serve the Lord. For he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. And Joshua, if you go and you continue reading on down in the context, Joshua is saying, if you keep playing games with this, you keep doing this, it's not how it works. You can't keep serving God in your sin. You can't keep doing these things. One of the most powerful statements a couple of weeks ago as we went to the preacher's boy uh, summit, as I was talking to those boys, asking them what stood out to you, there was a statement that was made by Brother Ed Loney as he was talking to those boys. And it's a statement that every Christian ought to hear. He said, never get used to God using you in your sin. Because there will come a day when God says enough is enough. Do you think about the Christian life? you think about what Joshua is saying right here? It's a pointed declaration. And so number three, we see Joshua's plea for steadfastness. 
The same principles of steadfastness as he is saying, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Verse 19, he goes on and says, you cannot serve the Lord. Verse 20, if you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will return and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that he have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, put away, he said, or said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. Notice this statement, if you would, as he is talking about steadfastness. In verse number 23, he says, Now therefore, put away. Colossians 3, verses 8 and 9, speaks of this putting away or putting off. As the Bible says, But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. There's a a principle here of getting rid of those things. Don't do those things. Put away those things. Put off those things. But then he goes a step further. He says, Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. So there's a putting off. But in Colossians chapter number 3, verses 12 through 17, there's a putting on. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and blood, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. See, Joshua is dealing here with their dealings of life, but also their doctrine. You see, I wonder this morning... Every single one of us is going to influence somebody or multiple people. In chapter number 24, notice these statements that influence the people. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. All of a sudden, the people say this. God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Verse 20, if you forsake the Lord and serve strange God, then he will turn to you and do hurt and consume you after that. He hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, influence here. Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Joshua had lived his life. He had walked the walk. He had done everything that he knew to do. But it was time to talk the talk. His final message was this. Serve Him. Serve Him. You see, every single day, you're going to wake up and a decision is going to have to be made. Am I going to live my life for the pleasures of my life and what I want and my will and my ways and what I want to do? God, am I going to serve You? 
I'm going to yield myself to you and say, Lord, I choose you. Because every single time that we make an excuse as to why we can't serve God, we're not saying that we can't. We're just saying, I choose myself. Lord, you, maybe next week, I choose me today. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Can I share with you every single day of my life, as I reflect on certain things, there are many days, no doubt, where I have failed But I want to come to a place where I'm conscious that every single day is a gift from God. And every single day I want to wake up and say, Lord, I choose you. And so this morning, I want to convey the message that Joshua had. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And it's up to you. What are you going to do?